Good morning, Arbor Church. Welcome to the 11 o'clock service. Thank you for being here today. Watching that video always makes me want to be a lumberjack. Not that I could probably do any of that work, but it's pretty impressive. I'm excited to be here. I feel a little bit more awake by the 11 o'clock service. That's my normal arrival time to get here for when I'm in the, in the seats listening. It's been a crazy week for me. It's been a very, very busy week as a principal. My name is Scott. I'm glad to be speaking with you today. I'm a principal in the Bellevue School District, and it was just one of those weeks. A lot of school events going on, a lot happening, and I feel like I'm a little disconnected and unplugged from what's happening in the world. I had no idea there's just some little marriage that happened over the weekend or something. Seriously, my daughters were yammering on and on about it, and I'm like, wait a second, I thought that guy was already married and had like two kids, and they're like, no, the three, see, there you go, shows you how disconnected I am. They're like, no, the other prince. I'm like, oh, I thought he was like off calivanting around the world on yachts and stuff. And they gave me the whole spiel and caught me up, but I felt a little bit clueless and out of touch. Um, not completely, because I did figure out the whole Laurel Yanny thing. Um, I don't know if any of you know about the Laurel Yanny thing. So, But I, I didn't feel really like connected to what's happening in the world around me this week. So hopefully that will not impact a little bit by what I'm talking today as I'm up here rambling in front of you right now with no apparent you know, goal in mind, just to let you know that it's been a crazy week, all right? Um, I am glad to be here to finish up this series that we've been doing on the series called Made. And we've covered different topics through that series of Made. Um, our theme verse for this passage is Psalm 139, 13 through 14. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I thank you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It's a beautiful concept that even before we existed in the thought of our parents, Christ knew who we, Christ knew who we were. He created us to be something. And we learned in this series so far that we were made to be clay, made to be shaped and formed in the potter's hands. We were made to be sheep made to follow and trust the protection of the shepherd. We were made to be a masterpiece. We are made in the vision and artistic expression of the great artist and creator. Today, we're going to talk about we were made to be branches. And we were made to remain in the life-sustaining vine of Jesus Christ. So I'm looking forward to dig into that with you today and talk a little bit more about what it means to be made and what it means to be branches. But before we do that, let's say a quick prayer. God, I thank you for this responsibility, this privilege of just sharing from your scripture um, what you said thousands of years ago, Lord, that still is relevant today. God, I pray that you would give us ears that want to hear, hearts that want to listen, and feet that want to go out and put into action what we're hearing today, God. May you speak to each and every one here that needs to hear it, Lord. And for those that are wondering, you might answer some questions. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So, as I said, you know, I'm feeling a little bit discombobulated, disconnected this week, but I did find time to tune into the passage for which we're speaking. And it's a passage I've been familiar with for a long time. But I want to give you some background before we dig right into it. The background of our key passage today, which is going to be found in John 15, is that Jesus and his disciples had just finished up the Last Supper. 
They had left the upper room and they were either on the road to Gethsemane or had possibly just made it to Gethsemane. Jesus was aware of what was going to be happening that evening fully. The disciples were not kind of aware. Maybe they think they did. Maybe like I felt this week. You knew there was things going on, but you couldn't really figure out what it was. Judas Iscariot had already been dismissed by Jesus to go do what it is you need to do, which was to betray him eventually. Jesus knew that was going to be happening. Peter had been told by Jesus that you will deny me three times before the rooster crows, and Peter had vehemently denied that he would not do that. Jesus had talked about being a servant to them and for them to serve others. He had demonstrated this by the washing of the disciples' feet, which is very odd for the teacher, the master, to wash his disciples' feet. So the disciples could feel something was happening, but they couldn't fully comprehend what it was. There was an apprehension, an anxiety, a wondering in the air, and it was palpable. And Jesus knew that in a few hours, the disciples' world would be turned upside down, that it would be turned inside out, that it would be broken, because he knew that he was leaving. And so in this moment, he was trying to give them the final words that while I am gone, there is something you need to know about how I am still with you and for you to remain with me. Because he knew that once the disciples walk through the experience they were going to walk through in the next 24 hours. They would forever be changed. And he didn't want them going back to being fishermen or whatever their occupation was. He wanted them to feel connected to him still. And that's the heartbeat of this passage that we get into, which is John 15, 1 through 8. If you want to turn there and read with me or look on the screen. Jesus is speaking, and he says... I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and also I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown in the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples." There's several roles that come up in this story. As Jesus lays out and repeats a lot of things over and over there, if you saw that. The first role that comes up is in the very first verse here. It says, I, Jesus, am the true vine. My father is the gardener. The disciples would have understood this analogy that Jesus is using. They might have understood why he was using it fully, but they understood the analogy because of the region they had lived in and grown up in with wine and grapes and vineyards all around them. And the idea that the father is the gardener, Jesus is the vine, and eventually he tells him, you are the branches. Now, 
I don't have a lot of experience working in vineyards, understand the whole science of it all, but I did have some experience growing up cleaning out an apple orchard. My dad was in the business of volunteering me for a lot of work in high school. He thought it would build character. He asked me to, he told the farmer next door that was going on vacation for a week, oh, Scott would be glad to get up and milk your cows at 4 a.m. I'd never milked a cow. But one of the things he volunteered me to do was for a, partner's, a partner of his, they had this old apple orchard at the base of this farm they had bought that was just overgrown. And he and his best friend, Bill Houlihan, volunteered Bill's son, Sean, and myself to go clean this apple orchard out. We were both about 16 at the time. And as wise fathers, they gave us two chainsaws, pointed us to the orchard and said, clean it up. That's just the way it was done in Idaho. So they turned two 16-year-olds loose in that orchard with chainsaws, and we were directed that whatever branch looks dead, cut it off and throw it in a pile and we'll burn them. All right? Whatever branches don't look dead, they got some things growing on them, try to save them. Reckless, you know, thing for parents to do, but we took off and we did it. And so we're in that tree and we're cutting branches. Now, I'm no gardener. We might have cut off some live branches and dead branches. We were just cutting branches because it was fun. We had two chainsaws. <laughs> so what I'm telling you is that when Jesus says, I am the true vine, the Father is the gardener, you can rest assured the Father knows his role. The Father knows that he tends to the vine and the branches to help them grow, to help them produce life. He prunes and removes. We weren't pruning that day. We were destroying that day. See, pruning comes along and cuts very carefully. That's the gardener's job, to prune us so that we produce more fruit, so that we grow and stay healthy. We don't like to get pruned, all right? It doesn't feel good, but that's the role of the father, the gardener. He shapes the vine and branches to what he needs to get the most out of the branches and the vine. And he was going to shape the vine as well through Jesus' walk to the cross, so this is the analogy we're setting up. So when you think of the father as a gardener, don't think of me and Sean in the apple orchard at 16 with two chainsaws. That's not what this is about. This is about a loving, caring relationship because the gardener knows the vines, the branches, are the livelihood of him. He cares for them. The next role we figure out is Jesus is the true vine. I think it's interesting that he says, I am the true vine, not I am the vine. He says, I am the true vine. Earlier in the previous chapter, he had told disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not I am a way, I am a truth, I am a life force. No, I am the way, the truth, the life. And here he says it again. He goes, I am the true vine. He knew that he was the trunk that produced the nutrients and life and substance for them to grow. One thing we did know with those chainsaws is we weren't going to cut any trees down. Right? We were just going to cut the dead branches off. Jesus knew that as a true vine, he is the stability for the branches as they grow out and produce fruit. And connected to the vine, they would live. He also knew that without him and the branches connected to him, there really are no branches. It's just an empty trunk. And we may have left one or two trees like that in that poor apple orchard. And if you've driven around anywhere, they've done some logging and seen the stumps or just the tree stumps left, 
you understand what that can look like. But his role as the true vine is to give sustenance and life to the branches so they can go. The next thing we learn in this passage is we read down here. He says, "You are." He says, "Remain in me, and I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself; it must remain in the in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. We bear fruit because of the vine, not because we're a branch." We're a branch in the vine. So we produce fruit because of the vine and what he gives the branch. Branches are shoots off the vine that blossom and produce fruit. Now in that apple orchard that we were going through, a lot of these branches had blossoms coming in on them or just tiny ones getting ready to start. Maybe some little tiny apples are hanging off there, but they hadn't come into full, you know, bloom yet. If you picked them, they were fun to throw at your brother, but you couldn't really eat them, all right? But they were there ready to go, right? Because of the vine, we can be harvested for the glory of the Father, the gardener. Those branches we cut off and just left on the ground, while the flowers and fruit may stay on them for a few days or for a while, they weren't going to grow and produce anything further. It was the branches that remained in the tree, the trunk, the vine, that continued to produce the fruit. Not because it's a branch, because it's a branch connected to the vine. See, we need to depend on the vine in order to produce the fruit that we're made to produce. Because that's what we are. We're made branches. And as we are made branches, we must stay connected to the vine. So what is this fruit that we're asked to produce? Well, in Scripture, it gives two clear ideas of what the fruit is that we're asked to produce as branches. One of them is considered the traits of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus knew he was going to send to the disciples. And the Holy Spirit in them is the comforter and guide in their life. They could produce the traits of the Holy Spirit. Galatians tells us in 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. A Christian's life should be characterized by these things. I know sometimes they're not. I know sometimes my life has not been characterized by these. I know sometimes instead of showing love or producing love, I've sown anger and discourse. I know sometimes instead of joy, I've produced more gloom and despair. I know sometimes instead of peace, I've created some turmoil. I know that sometimes instead of gentleness, there's been a temper. But the point is this. As the branch stays in the vine and the life goes from the vine to the branches, we have the ability, the capability, the power of the vine in us to produce the fruit and traits of the Holy Spirit. The other fruit that the branches produce, all right, through the vine, through the gardener's pruning and directive hands and caring hands, are disciples, believers. Jesus' last word in Matthew before he went to heaven to be with his father was the great commission. He looked at disciples. He said, go and make disciples. He also told them earlier before he said, look at the fields there. The harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. He created us as branches to bring people to Christ, to show them the cross so that they would become disciples and believers. That's the other fruit that we're created to produce. 
Now, in between those, there's a couple key interesting verses that I want to touch on lightly because I don't want to just skim over them. He says in verse 2, he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Then in verse 6, he says, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown in the fire. Much like my orchard cutting chainsaw day, which was still epic in my mind, we had a lot of branches we cut off. Now, we, weren't, we were pretty careless. We just cut a lot of branches off. The gardener's very specific, and we could spend a lot of time on this. I mean, if I have sat down with uh, two of the wisest theologians I know, Bob and Jake, all right? And either one of them could convince you to either, either, either side of this argument that do, do we get cut off? Do we cut ourselves off? Do we leave? Does, does Christ remove it? We could go back and forth all day, and we all, the three of us would love doing that. We might bore you, but we love doing that, all right? And as we sit and we try to figure that out, I think what I love about Jake and Bob is whether they agree or disagree on some of those details in theology, they come back to the heart of this, the heart of this passage. Again, remember, Judas had just left. Jesus is on his death walk through Gethsemane. He knows he's going to be betrayed. He knows he's going to die. He knows the disciples are going to be in turmoil. They will run and flee to the corners of Jerusalem. And the heart of what he's trying to get them to see is, you will, I am the true vine. I am your life. And if we look at the passage through that, it brings us to the most important part that we got to get out of this. Because he says it eight times, and that is, we are to remain in the vine. We are made to remain in the vine. And what he's telling them is that while I may not be here, you need to remain in me. And if we look back at our passage, and we start in verse 4, we read, remain in me, I also remain in you. It must remain in the vine, unless you remain in me. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Eight times the word remain pops up in Jesus' analogy here about us as branches. He does not want us to be a branch that's just on the ground or a branch that's just disconnected somewhere. We are a branch in the vine. And we are made to remain in the vine. The key to this analogy was centered on Jesus' understanding that he was going to be leaving the disciples forever. And at the wake, in the wake of his death and leaving, he didn't hit, want his disciples forget what he had taught them, that he was the way, the truth, and the life, the miracles that they had seen, because they would have doubts. In fact, one of them got the nickname of a lifetime, Doubting Thomas. All right, poor guy. I never thought that was very fair. He was probably like a lot of us. Hey, look, until I can see the guy and see the wounds and touch them, I, I, I think you're all crazy a little bit. Remain. To not leave and return to the emptiness of the Old Testament law. He did not want them to leave and go back to whatever they were doing before. He wanted them to understand that he was the vine and they were made to remain in him, in the vine. As I go back to that story in the orchard, and we were cutting through trees, one of the things we have to do is put a ladder up against a tree and climb it and cut off the branches. Now, you've probably seen all these YouTube videos out there where someone cuts a branch, it comes around, knocks the ladder off, and you fall down, all right? And everybody laughs, or you cut the wrong branch, and it falls on somebody's head, and everybody laughs. Those really aren't funny when they happen in real life. That did not happen to us, all right? 
we did figure out that if we were going to get up on a ladder and cut this branch off and it was going to fall, we had to be very careful. But what we also realized is that that branch, all right, no matter how thick or small or whatever, was connected to the trunk. There was no denying it. It wasn't just a loose branch out there growing on its own, not connected to anything, because a branch is made to be connected to the tree. And so as we cut that, we understood we were taking it away from something. And that's not what Jesus wanted them to think. He wanted them to know that as a branch, you were made to be connected and to be in me. His message was clear. Remain in me. Anybody ever heard of the author John Maxwell? John Maxwell is one of my favorite authors, and he tells a story when he was fresh out of college. Him and three of his friends moved to Florida, bought a boat, were fixing it up. They were going to live down there for a year or so, learn to sail down on the Florida Keys, enjoy the Jimmy Buffett life, all right? Hamburger, cheeseburger in paradise, whatever. So they're down there, and they hear that a hurricane is coming, and everybody in Florida, hurricane comes, they put up plywood, they batten down the hatches, they get ready. Well, they are like, oh my gosh, this hurricane's coming, we got our boat. They run about like hundreds of yards of rope, and they start tying their boat to the dock, to the pier. And they're tying it here, tying it there. They're putting rope wherever they can and making sure that boat is tied down tightly. And they get done, and they look at their handiwork, and like, wow, that boat is going nowhere. It is safe. It is connected to the dock. And all of a sudden, strolling right along the dock comes Sailor Bob. Cut off jeans, Tommy Bahama shirt, halfway unbuttoned, fly fishing hat on, you know, six pack in one hand, bag of groceries in the other, flip flops, just walking down. Like nothing is to worry about. And he gets to him and he stops and he looks at the boys, looks at the boat, gets his grin on his face. He goes, you guys are going to lose it if you kept it tied to the dock. You might just want to untie it and run it to deep water. And that went contrary to everything they said. They go, oh, no, we got it connected. We got it tied here. We're safe right here. But they watched Bob go down to his boat, untie it, and start sailing out into the middle of the ocean. Well, they were at least smart enough to know that Bob probably knew more than they did, so they began untying their boat. And they untied it as rapidly as they could, and they got it all untied, and they started to sail out into the water. And when they got out to the deep water, they dropped their anchor. And the storm came, the winds blew, the water rose, and it was a ferocious hurricane. And as they're going up and down in the water, being tossed here and there, and they're all praying to God, crying out, promising they'll go to whatever country God wants them to go to, and I'll give you money every day of my life, and I'll never do anything wrong again. They're walking through this crazy storm thinking they're not going to make it. And when the storm calms and they subside, they're still connected to that anchor. And they pull that anchor back in and they come into land. And when they approach land, the dock, the boats, everything's ravaged and piled up on the shoreline. See, we will go through life knowing internally we're made to be connected to something and so we'll try to find something to connect ourselves to. We'll try to find something to remain with that gives us that security. For a boat in a storm, it's an anchor that holds them no matter where it goes. It will keep them in that spot. I know in my life I've tried to remain and connect to things that I wasn't really truly made to be connected to. It could be a relationship. It could be a job. It could be a habit. It could be an addiction. 
It could be a lie that was told you from an early childhood. See, we are made to remain in the vine as a branch. Yet for some reason as branches, we get this idea that we can live outside the vine and connect to something else. All those trees we cut off, I mean, all those branches we cut off and we came back days later, they were still just branches on the ground. They didn't miraculously get up and reconnect to the tree. We are made to remain in the vine. And because we remain, Jesus wants us to know this. It's what we've been learning all along through this series, that in the hands of the potter, the clay becomes his handiwork. In the care of the shepherd, the sheep are protected and given a direction to go. In the vision and hands of the artist, an empty canvas becomes a masterpiece. And connected to the life of the vine, the branches produce fruit. Oh, you might produce something on your own for a while, but in the end you become a dried up branch. What Jesus didn't want them to do is if we don't remain in him, we become that hardened lump of clay. We become lost, unprotected sheep. We become an empty canvas, dusty in the corner of an art room. Or we're just fruitless branches. See, the theme of this passage, beyond what we could delve into areas, the theme of this passage is we are made to remain. And Jesus knew something that the disciples hadn't revealed or understood about themselves. That the biggest test of their life was about to happen. And they were going to find inside of them the ability to remain through some of the darkest years of their lives, and I dare say anybody's lives that I've ever experienced. We are made to remain. It's wired into our DNA. Relationship, connection, life-giving society. We are made as branches to be connected to the vine because internally we are made to remain. In a day of culture of leaving for the next bright new thing, for the new theology, the new philosophy, the new diet, the new iPhone. We are drawn and pulled and moved to try to connect to different things. We have lost the art and the understanding of what it means to remain. And yet Jesus wants us to remain because that's how he made us. A branch must remain. We are created to remain because that's where we find our purpose. Connected to the vine, the attributes of Jesus, the characters of Jesus, the characteristics of Jesus, his love is what goes through the branch. And when that is flowing through us, that is how we produce the most fruit. We tend to get reckless. In our Christian world, we tend to run around and try to cut off branches or say this isn't real. We get crazy in what we're doing. And in my job, we got a bit reckless cutting those branches off. At one point, I was up in the tree, put the chainsaw through the branch, came a little too far down, boom, hit my knee. All right? Right to the bone. I climbed down. I'm like, ooh, this is not looking good. I looked at my friend to drive me to the hospital. He was passing out on the ground. 
Found out later he didn't like the sight of blood. Not a good combination. This is not a reckless story that Jesus is telling about branches that get cut and just thrown away, cut and thrown away. No. The heart of the story is this. Jesus is saying, my father's the gardener. He wants to prune you and shape you. He has you connected to me for life. For life so that you can produce fruit. Because once I'm gone, the only visible representation of everything about me are the branches that produce the beauty of the world that comes and says, wow, I want some of that. But we have to remain. When all is falling apart around you, remain in him. When you find out you're losing your job, remain in him. When that investment you thought was a sure thing fails, remain in him. When your spouse files for divorce, remain in him. When you don't know what to say to your rebellious teenager, remain in him. When your parents' health is failing, remain in him. When your friends abandon you, remain in him. When you find out a loved one of your child has cancer, remain in him. Why? Because we're branches. We need the life of the vine, or we just become dead, dried up branches. We remain in him because he is the vine. We remain in him because apart from the vine, we are nothing. We remain in him because in the vine, we produce fruit. We remain in him because we are made to be branches, and that's awesome. Because you get the beauty of the fruit. You get the beauty of being connected to something that really gives you life and fullness. But we try to run off and connect ourselves to other things thinking that we'll still grow as a branch. A branch is meant to be connected to its true source of life, the vine. The gardener, our father, will come along and prune us and take care of us to shape us through whatever he needs and we need to produce fruit. There's a trust there. There's a dependency there. We are made to remain because we are made branches. Let's pray.